Up World. Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You'll listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. Today's episode is also the latest edition of Mailbag Monday. Push back a little bit this week. It's a special delivery mailbag on a Wednesday. Our weekly mailbag segment answering listeners submitted questions all episode long. If you want to get involved, there's two ways to do it. Tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich. Uh, just send me a tweet whenever you're thinking of it. It helps if you uh, tag it as mailbag or watch the skies. Uh, typically, m- Monday morning around 9 a.m. Pacific time, I will send a tweet out soliciting questions. You respond to that tweet. I will get you in the show. If you're not a Twitter user or someone who doesn't tweet, that's totally okay. There's an email address. LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com is that address. So just shoot me an email there. One more time, LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. Neither snow nor rain, nor heat, nor gloom of night prevents mailbag from coming your way. So let's get into it. Our very first question of the show comes from Jacob G on Hawthorne, who asks, how do we numb the pain of this first round exit? It's not just the end of the season. It's the end of an era. It's been a slow, inevitable, and years-long burn where many knew this would be the outcome. And yet, here we are. This is a dramatic email from Jacob G. on Hawthorne, and for that, I thank you, Jacob G. Um, Here's how you numb the pain of the first-round exit. Most teams lose in this league, and it's why I've said so many times on the podcast to cling tightly to the joy, cling tightly to the special moments, because these are sobering realities that face teams in in a very difficult, very tough Western Conference. Obviously, the Blazers are probably headed for... You know, they already fired the coach and probably headed for more significant changes or at least attempting to make more significant changes, potentially overhauling a roster or certainly exploring avenues to do so. Um, it'll be a big change. It might be the end of the Damon CJ pairing. Um, it's no guarantees on that front for sure. But like there's this is a de- certainly the end of an era. This is the sort of like we tried it for this long this way and we're moving on. It'll be the, either the end of the Stotts era or it'll be a whole new era altogether um, if if more parts move along. So that's why I've been saying it all year long. This this mantra doesn't just apply to sort of like random regular season games. It's it's cling tightly to the joy. Remember these moments that that were special. Remember when you, not when you maybe you had high expectations that were dashed, but when the team legitimately brought you joy, when the moments you could say, holy cow, that was fun. Um, that's what, you know, sports, sports fandom is, is suffering. It's a very, it's very Buddhist in that way. Like it's, it is a cyclical suffering, uh, experience except for like a handful of teams. Um, and even those teams, um, have, have long, long trips into the desert. So try to cling, try to Jacob Gian Hawthorne, just take a moment right now and remember the, your favorite moment from the season or the moment that brought you the most sort of like visceral joy. And just just try to live in that moment for for a little bit for as long as you can because um, they're gonna play again next year and there's gonna be some ups and downs. They probably won't win a championship next year. We might be back in the same spot with new parts. You're rooting for laundry, so be sure you can appreciate as much as you possibly can. 
Next question comes from Adam who asks, I'm curious as to what the Blazers have available to offer free agent salary-wise. I think most people want to keep Powell at around $20 million. That's Norman Powell for y'all. Does this basically cap us out? Is there a way to free up cap for another signing? The Blazers are not going to have cap space this year. Um, basically, they're they're essentially... Uh, they essentially have no avenue towards cap space. Uh, there's, I, I guess they could like really move some deck chairs around, but even with, with Damon CJ on board, they're, they're pretty much, and if like, if you fill out the rest of the roster and even have empty, empty roster holds, if you, if you start getting rid of people, you're going to be, uh, above the cap, t- you're going to be an over the cap team. Uh, they'll be just, they will be like $20 million under the luxury tax line. That's probably what they'll be offering Norman Powell if they, if they do end up offering him a, a contract. Um, I'm sure they'll negotiate with him, whether they like formally offer and he declines is a whole nother thing, right? But so they're going to be, um, they're going to be a, a tax team, right? They're going to be a luxury tax. They're going to be a tax team. And if they, if they are a tax team, they'll have two ways to add players that aren't non-minimum players. Um, that will be the biannual exception, which is, uh, which is like a smaller contract and the taxpayer mid-level, which is between like five and six million bucks. If Powell walks, there's um, there's a chance that they will not. They'll be below the tax line, and they can use their full mid-level exception, which is about nine million dollars a year annually, and can be up to a four-year deal. But um, that's like if Powell walks and you lose him, the going shopping at half his rate is what you'll be left with. You'll be you know if if Powell signs for twenty million somewhere, you'll be left at signing someone in the nine million a year range. That'll be the first year salary. You're getting a worse player than Norman Powell, potentially more effective, but almost certainly worse. So the Blazers do not have cap space they have no avenue towards getting cap space they're going to end up either with a mid-level exception for about nine million bucks or if they're above the tax line above the tax team if they bring Powell back um, which they have uh, they can do so because they have what's called his bird rights they're able to go um, above the cap and re-sign him uh, then they will only be left with the biannual exception and the taxpayer mid-level exception which is like the mid-level only smaller um, then a big question for this team is how deep into the tax are they willing to go? That's a very, very big question moving forward is how much will ownership spend for a team that's like kind of good, like a pretty good team? How much do you spend for pretty good is is the big question here. Next question comes from Connor who says, or who asks, I guess, rather. Everyone agrees Portland isn't playing up to their potential. They have so much talent. How far away are we or what's keeping us from having a season like Utah or Phoenix did this year? Is it simple as a new coach and a Pascal Siakam-like player? Or are we the type of team that needs another superstar? The Blazers have a have a better best player than Utah and Phoenix do, and arguably have similar supporting cast, so it's infuriating that we are 10 games worse than them in the regular season. I'm not at all a fan of forming super teams, and I know Portland is too small a market for players to want to come here, but is there another way of winning? Well, I, I, I think Utah and Phoenix are showing you that other way to win. Uh, Phoenix, you know, wandering in the desert 10 years without the playoffs, you end up picking number one overall in the draft, you add DeAndre Ayton, you have guys, um, you know, you, you were able to clear cap space and trade for a for a max guy and chris paul um you nailed some other draft picks like uh mikhail bridges and stuff like that like there's that's not an easy way to do it like be be bad for a long time and draft draft pretty high up like that's 
that is that is not really the path. Utah, you know, homegrown for the most part, but then they kept their books clean, and so they were able to trade for Michael Conley, you know, a a, um, a max level guy making you know making a boatload of money. Um, you know, their their two stars are homegrown, and Mitchell and Rudy Gobert drafted you know fairly far apart, but still from you know under team control their whole their whole. Uh, their whole careers, uh, you know, and they also were able to trade for Boyan Bogdanovich, which is, which is a freaking huge trade. He's really good. Um, the the Utah and Phoenix have way better rosters than the Blazers. Um, th- like, just look at Utah's top eight. It's way better than the Blazers' top eight. In terms of, like, what you want, you want playmaking and defense and size um, and shooting, and, the, and Utah is just way better at that and their top eight than the Blazers' top eight. Um, with all due respect to Carmelo Anthony and Ennis Cantor, those dudes are not, that's not what, <laughs> that's, they're just not doing that playmaking and, and passing and, 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 you know, range shooting or whatever. I mean, Cantor and, and Derek favors are relatively comparable, but, um, Utah's got a way better roster. Phoenix has a way better roster. Like, I, I think that you're right to say like the Blazers are not that far away. Um, but they're not that like, they're just not that Utah and Phoenix have better teams. Um, it's you said, is it as simple as a new coach in Pascal Siakam? Like, is it as simple as a new coach and adding a six foot eight all star who's like can play both ways? Yeah, I mean, that probably is it, right? If you added an all star, the best, I mean, the Raptors' best player, quite frankly, with all apologies to one of my favorites of all time, Kyle Lowry, like. Yes, that would be a game changer for the Blazers and they would leap up a tier, but you they don't have the means to go do that. Like they're going to the only way this roster is going to get better is basically through trades, like retaining Norman Powell and making smart trades. That's that is how this roster gets better. Um they can improve a little bit just by if they got if if they get a coach that gets more out of an already pretty good team, they can get better. But the idea that they're going to jump up into this sort of like win 60 or 70, you know, 65 to 70% of your games tier seems unlikely. Like they're just that's not who they are right now they can retool this summer and get there um it would be a pretty big surprise on my end um you know but we'll see what happens i think it's too early to say like they have no shot i think that's that is like that is a level of um sort of like ho-hum eeyore nonsense that i'm not ready to get into yet like i think the path to getting great is really challenging but we'll see what happens uh this summer before um before before i come rain on anyone's parade plans um but I mean, Utah and Phoenix are just, they just, they just have, just look at the top eight guys. Who are the, who are Utah's top eight guys? Who are Phoenix's top eight guys? Those, those, that's how you win in this league in the regular season is with your top eight, uh, you know, nine through 11 help you when, when things go, um, you know, go sideways during the season and things and people get injured. But like, um, I don't know, Tory Craig and George Niang are not the reason that the Blazers aren't in the top top tier of the of the Western Conference. It's the it's the other guys in the front half of that rotation that the Blazers are missing. They just don't they just don't have the horses. All right, let's come back in the second segment and answer more of your questions. But first, we got to give out a little bit of hardware. That's right. It's the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. And I'm giving the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week to Yusuf Nurkic because when Yusuf Nurkic ended his season, he gave a press conference and he was lacking the key component to success, and that's joy. Nurk was when Nurk was really good, the Blazers won in the playoffs, and when Nurk struggled, the Blazers, you know, eventually went home. But they, you know, the games he that it games he was unable to finish, the Blazers lost, and and the season ended. And and Nurk went into that post game press conference, and he he was missing 
the happiness, the joy, the enjoyment, the things that make Nurk so special and the things that are truly key to winning because Michelob Ultra wants you to know that it's only worth it if you enjoy it and only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, there's more to enjoy. Joy creates success. So Nurk needs to find his joy. So instead of rewarding someone who brought us great joy or exhibited great joy on the court, I'm giving the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week as an aspirational award to Blazer Center use of Nurkic. Find your joy. Refine that joy, Nurk. Uh, there's going to be a new coach. You'll probably be utilized in a little bit different way. Uh, you know, you're you're very likely to be back on the team. Find your joy, Nurk, because when you play well and you play hard and 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 um, and you know make good decisions, you bring you you exude that happiness and you bring it to Rip City with you. Enjoyment isn't the end game; it's the whole game. Today's episode is also brought to you by Locker Room. It's the first social audio app made for sports fans. And you can join me on Locker Room Wednesday evening. Uh, when If you're listening to this on Wednesday, tonight at 6 p.m. Uh, just make sure you download the app and join me there. Follow me on, on uh, the application. My handle is at Mike G. Rich. You'll get a notification when I go live. Turn on notifications on your phone. When our room goes live at six, you'll get pinged. You can join me there. It's basically like a live ra- live radio show. Uh, I hang around for about 35 minutes. I usually bring a, f- a friend from Blazers Media with me. Uh, Jamie Hudson has joined me from NBC a couple times. Uh, Eric Garcia Gunderson of the Associated Press and former host of this podcast has joined me a couple times. It's a, it's a ton of fun. We can have live back and forth. I can bring you on stage and we can talk. Um, you, can, you can ask questions in the chat. It's great. Uh, so join me 6 p.m., uh, th- Wednesday evening on Locker Room. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. All right. Let's keep it rolling with this mailbag Monday. And I know the Blazers are out of the playoffs. And for right now, we're not talking playoffs, but we're going to get back to it because I think there's I think there's important things we can watch from watching these high-level basketball games um, and sort of what the Blazers knew to, need to do to be one of these high-level teams. Uh, there's a bunch of questions kind of about how they can get there. Uh, and just a reminder that it's our road to the finals. Our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season all right let's keep it rolling with mailbag monday this next question comes from sean who asks say the blazers can add any star in the league not named kevin durant or lebron james but it takes cj which it probably would would who would be the best fit for dame and why it's gonna take a whole a whole bunch more than cj if the blazers could trade cj for a star in this league they would have already done it sean uh tune in <laughs> Thursday's show is going to be the CJ trade extravaganza. That's why there are no CJ trade questions in the mailbag. I've saved them all for Thursday. We're going to talk 35, 45 minutes on CJ trades. So let's just ignore that part, Sean, because that is that is nonsensical. That is not how this is going to work. The Blazers are not going to trade CJ for someone who's like a, a tier below Kevin Durant and LeBron James, right? But if I, if I could just like pick any star to add to the team and like the you had to sacrifice CJ as the sort of price um, to make, to have the whatever witch grant your wishes, uh, I'd probably choose Anthony Davis, um, elite defender, can guard every position in the playoffs incredible pick and roll partner with dame um i know he has some health concerns but when he has been healthy he has kicked ass in the postseason um i guess number two would probably be Kawhi leonard 
I think that's I think that's reasonable. Similar reasons you can run, you know, one two. You can run pick and rolls like one three, one four pick and rolls, depending on what position you think Kawhi Leonard plays. Um, he can he's a he's a he's probably taken a step back defensively, quite frankly, but he can still be an elite defender and elite on ball defender in a way that the Blazers obviously don't have on the roster. Um, and he's a, he can go get himself a bucket. He can have, um, he can have takeover offensive games in a way, uh, that Dame would really benefit from someone. If he could just say, you know what, go ahead and go, go ahead and go get him. Uh, I think those, I think those are the top names. Um, I think the third one legally I have to say is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, I do think Giannis's lack of shooting and sort of mid-range, like sort of not even mid-range, like in-between game, like floaters and jump hook stuff would make him um, a little bit of a weird pairing with Dame. But dude's a monster. <laughs> like he's, he's just so freaking good. He'd be, um, you put the, uh, two players of that caliber together, particularly with Dame shooting and playmaking. Woo-hoo-hoo, that'd be a pretty good team. But uh, yeah, you're not trading CJ for frickin' Giannis. Uh, David asks, when he's locked in, I think Yusuf Nurkic is a top 10 center in the league. Is there any chance he works this out and we see that incredible version of Nurk all the time? I mean, there's there's all the time seems like um, seems like you're talking about a different player, quite frankly. Like if Nurk was able to be locked in and make good decisions and make and sort of, you know, overcome the sort of mental slumps, like one of the biggest differences between good players and great players in the league and like bench players and starters in the league is consistency. Some of that consistency is physical with Nurk. Some of that consistency is mental with Nurk. Like, um, can he take his time and make a layup? Can he um, can he just become an elite finisher? Uh, and then also, can he like avoid the stupid stuff, the stupid turnovers when he tries to force it, the bad fouls? when he gets frustrated um you know sometimes taking three pointers because the offense breaks down a little bit uh some of you may be a fan of nurk shooting threes it's it's not for me no no thank you um but yeah like is there a chance that nurk becomes sharper more often and and sort of like locked in mentally good decision making more often absolutely but all the time seems like it just seems like you're talking about a different player. So no, I don't think there's a chance we see it all the time. Is there a chance that one of the ways that Nurk improves in this offseason is that he just kind of like he gets like he gets his mind right to use a Damian Lord um, uh, quote or, you know, language like if yes, I think there's a chance that Nurk gets his mind right and he's better, sharper, all those things more often um, next season. But all the time, like I said, that, that seems like a different player. Jamar asks our next question, says, wants to know about Damien Lord's defense. Jamar writes, we've seen and heard for a few years now that Damien is a bad defender. However, there have been a couple times when he has taken the assignment. First, Jason Tatum and really limited him from doing a lot once in the bubble and once in a game against Boston this year. And then we saw versus Denver in game six where he took the assignment of Michael Porter Jr. and limited him to just a few points after that crazy first quarter. So my question is, slash, are those two... Tatum and Porter Jr., just the right body types for game to, Dame to guard well, or is there more to it? I know that he carries quite a load offensively, and he's still short by NBA standards, but is Dame being a bad being bad on defense more of an issue with skill and ability or effort and desire, or is something else? Is there something else entirely you're missing? No, I, I, Jamar, I think you're on the right track here. Um, for whatever reason, Dame really likes to guard Jason Tatum. I don't know what that's about, but that's a matchup he clearly likes. The Michael Porter Jr. thing, I think, was Dame just being like, if no one else can do it, give me a chance, and then it worked. Um, Dame's problems on defense are physical. One is his size, um, but I think this season specifically, it was a lack of of interest and maybe just 
ability to play hard and smart on that end all the time. Uh, you saw early in, in Game 5, the sort of double overtime magic game that he had, was that Damian Lord didn't play a shit bit of defense in the first quarter. Like, he just, he, Faku Composo just, Faku Composo just, just blew past his ass. Um, that's, that is just not, not being part of not being part of the game that's just not playing hard enough um defense isn't all energy and effort anyone who tells you that doesn't understand nba defense nba defense hard as hell you can play hard but if you're not playing smart it doesn't matter um it's like if you if you honestly in nba defense is one of the things that teams that guys do too much and we saw this from i think we saw this from the bucks in their game against the nets is that they over rotated they over helped they tried too hard too much energy too much effort you got to stay home and be smart um but dame's problem is mostly that he carried such a big load on offense this year that i think he totally checked out on defense and was occasionally just like non-competitive on that end um he's capable of being a pretty solid defender probably like just below league average right like he'll still be the size that he is um and he'll still be you know have trouble getting around gigantic screens people set on him and all those things like that's not going to change. He's, he's, he's the size that he is, right? Like he's that there are physical limitations to his game. And I don't think he has like super high level defensive instincts, but he's capable of playing good defense when he locks in. And we've seen it particularly, um, Dame is not a great off ball defender, but a really good on ball defender when he wants to be, um, not like, not like, you know, all defense or anything, but like a really capable, I should say, defender when he wants to be. Like he can lock in and if you're right in front of him, he can compete against you. He just doesn't always do that. And I think this year particularly, he kind of made a decision. I'm one of the five best offensive players in this in this league. No one can guard me. That's where I'm going to that's where I'm going to take over this game and I'm just not going to play defense at that level. It's hard to do both. The I the like the key I mean, one of the reasons that's like, what do you do with CJ McCollum is because like one of the big questions with Dame is like, what what type of parts do you have to put around him in order to be a high level team? This was like kind of the same problem with Dirk Nowitzki for a lot of his career. It's like, what kind of parts do you put around Dirk to to be to maximize his his skills as kind of a limited defender and, and great offensive player. The thing is, Dirk was seven feet tall, so his limited defense also included a seven-foot-tall frame, a very different thing than Damian Lillard. But, um, you know, it, CJ doesn't seem to answer that question. Not a, not a defender in his own right, not super long. You can target either one of them in pick and rolls. Mostly teams go, seem to go after... Dame in order to you know tire him out on that end right like you just he's the best player on the team you want to go at him on the other end to make him work but you know late in game five and in overtime the the Nuggets repeatedly 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 put uh, CJ McCollum in pick and rolls with Monte Morris and said I I, I bet you can't stop this Um, so you know I, I think like part of the problem is like you Dame just has limitations that he's so freaking good on offense that you just kind of have to accept his limitations on defense to some extent. He needs to be a better defensive player than he was this season for sure. When, um, you know, some metrics like 538's Raptor rating, you know, graded him out as one of the five worst defenders in the NBA. He has to be better than that. And he's shown that he's capable of it. It's mostly just sort of like how interested in it, how interested is he in doing that? All right, let's come back in the third segment, answer more of your questions on this glorious mailbag Monday. I went a little long on Dame's defense, but I think it's an important one for us to discuss. But before we get to that third segment, let's um, let's talk about Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. 
Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me who sits in front of a computer all day long just trying to make it through my day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, power, and speed. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension. Using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, or an injury, or just the stress of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. Plus, Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid, and elite athletes like... DeAndre Hopkins and Paul George, plus hundreds of thousands of customers. So try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Today's episode is also brought to you by Bet Online. Just the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The Blazers season may be done, but the NBA playoffs are rolling on. The NHL playoffs are, you know, full steam ahead. Steam, probably bad thing to bring on ice. I was already regretting saying that, but too late. Full steam ahead in the NHL playoffs. WNBA regular season is rolling. MLS rolling. NWLS rolling. Major League Baseball Got a lot of sticky stuff, but I guess it's still rolling along too. So you can you can find all of that. All your sports betting action will be over there on betonline.ag. So don't wait. Don't sit on the sidelines. Go ahead and get in on the action. Head on over to their website, betonline.ag. When you're signing up to make your first deposit, be sure to put in the promo code LOCKEDON and you will get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Locked on Blazers. And we're still rolling through Mailbag Monday. Our next question comes from Nathan who asks, Powell, Jones Jr., Little, Hollis Jefferson, how many of those guys should Portland keep and how redundant are they? Uh, Nazir Little's on a rookie contract. He's staying. He's you you haven't he hasn't scratched the surface. He's an obvious keep. Norman Powell, I I think you got to keep him because if you let him walk, replacing his what he does, you just you just lose the basically lose the money, and it'll be hard to recruit recruit what he does. Um, he's not an ideal fit. He's a good basketball player, and it's better to have more good basketball players. I think Norman Powell's brief stint in Portland proved that they were better when he played um, because it's you know fit is maybe particularly in the regular season less important. Like talent is 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 just more valuable. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. I assume he can't get. $10 million on the open market. So it makes more sense for him to opt in. Um, you know, I, I think a be, another coach could get more out of Derek Jones. Uh, Terry Stotts clearly didn't see it. I don't really see it with Derek Jones. To, to, he doesn't do it for me. I don't think he's very good. Um, but you know, he's, there are some metrics that suggest that he, uh, you know, got a was tasked with guarding the best players on every team for a long time. And maybe that's exactly what the Blazers need is a guy capable of doing that. Hollis Jefferson. Um, I don't know. He's fine. <laughs> I guess keep him if you can get him on the cheap. Um, either way, like he's not a deal breaker for the back half of the roster. I thought he was, I thought he was 
uh, an interesting hustle guy, um, but like not probably a net positive overall. Um, how many, so like how many should they keep? I, I don't know, th- probably three of them, right? Like Powell, Jones Jr. and Little. Um, how are they redundant? I don't think, like Powell is obviously totally different than all those guys. He's a two. I mean, he's like a wing or whatever. I think like we're getting caught up in positions maybe too much. He's a wing. Derek Jones Jr. is probably a wing who can play, who guards ones and twos pretty well. Nazir Little is like a three, four. He's like a, what um what brad stevens used to call a swing he's not a he's like he swings up to power forward but he's smaller um way more offensive talent than than Derek jones jr um, i i believe nazir little can be an nba contributor in his third nba season uh hollis jefferson i like he's stronger than Derek jones but he seems to be like the if you're like if you're looking for like a limited offense defense only guy I think you got to roll with Derek Jones or with Derek Jones' potential over Rondé's potential for me. That that's what I would do. Doug asks if Jody Allen called you up and said she wanted you to fill the coaching vacancy with ex Blazers purely for entertainment nostalgia value. Who do you pick and why? For this hypothetical, ignore availability, ability, and desire to coach. Doug, I love it because I was going to ignore those things anyway. But thank you for providing the parameters. Uh, the head coach was Rashid Wallace. This was as easy as they come. Uh, it's just going to be Sheed. Uh, assistant coaches are going to be uh, Darius Miles, uh, an, an absolute hero. Rod Strickland, uh, because he's maybe the most underrated Blazer of all time. And then uh, our fourth assistant will be Bill Walton, because... Um, I mean, it would just be fun to have that dude around saying crazy stuff all the time. So yeah, Sheed, Darius Miles, Rod Strickland, and Bill Walton are going to be our Blazers coaching staff for entertainment and nostalgia purposes. Next question comes from David who asks, during Stotts' tenure, he had a number of players who saw limited minutes because they were young or because Terry just didn't like their game. Who do you think was the biggest miss who should have seen more time? So I think it was, (laughs) I kind of think it was year two CJ McCollum. Because if you play CJ, you don't have to trade for Aaron Aflalo because you already have a backup shooting guard. CJ had a breakout in the playoffs. He was really, really good. The next year he won MIP. He was really, really good. Um, If you just let him go, (laughs) you don't need to make that trade and and then you hang on to stuff. But like, CJ eventually played. He was always going to play. So I think like the guy who should have played more and didn't get a chance here was Will Barton. Um... I think people might think like Jake Lehman and stuff. I'm not a big Jake Lehman believer. Um, You know, I think at one point people really thought that about Myers Leonard, but I think he's proved otherwise that he's just like kind of like a fringe NBA player, but he's very tall. Um, So I think it's Will Barton. Like, I think Will Barton is like still, I I believe he's he's maybe even going to play later in this series for the Denver Nuggets. Like he's still a good like starting caliber two-way wing who can handle and shoot like it's exactly what teams need and I think um he wasn't that good when he was here but the Blazers should have given him a chance to kind of explore that space a little bit next question comes from the Blazer Tag Podcast at Blazer Tag PDX on Twitter who asks with Olshay seemingly as of now keeping his job how appealing is the Blazers head coaching gig typically GMs like to hire their own guy so if the team doesn't improve and Neil Olshay is out next year does that worry a new head coach about him only being a one year hire yeah I mean there's a lot going on here I think this is I think this is a good point um the Ryan from the Blazer Tag podcast but um the, you know Neil Olshay's under contract for several more seasons he's not like 
um, you know, he's not hiring someone with being like, you have to prove it to save my job. He's saying like, I'm still the architect of this team. I'm still under contract through 2024. You're going to be involved. You know, you're going to sign a three to five year deal and, 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 you know, be part of the plan. Or maybe you sign a three year deal to line up with the GM, et cetera, et cetera. Like, um, I do think there's like something to it that like, uh, Neil Olshay's maybe, you know, maybe if there is, there's like, you know, whispers about Olshay's job security, then, then it gets a little dicey for a coach. But, you know, if they're hiring like a first time coach, like a Juwan Howard or Chauncey Billups, who's the name they want to, the person they want to hire, like Chauncey's not going to balk at, um, his first opportunity to be a head coach because Neil might be out. You just, you go get the job and prove you can do it. Additionally, whoever you're hiring as coach is not imagining, imagining a situation where they suck in year one and get people fired. They're imagining that they do well. Um, so I'd like, I think there's, I think there's a lot of like good logic in this question, but, um, I don't think it's a factor really because of how the process will work and Neil's contract situation. But I, but I do like I I like I said uh, Ryan from the Blazer Tag podcast I do think um, I do think this is like this I can follow the logic and see where it's coming from for sure I think it's um, I think it's pretty smart. Uh, Doctor J asks our next question: What is your over under on the number of players of current uh, players currently on the roster, excluding two way players, which are on the team when training camp opens next year? I love this. Um, if you all have guesses, send me your over under. How many players currently on the roster will be back? Well, I'm going to say, sorry, I'm going to set the over under you, you let me know via, via Twitter or, or, or email me. Um, uh, what do you think? What's your over under? I'm going to set the over under at five and a half. Uh, I believe we'll have five returning players uh, or the over under is at five returning players. If we get six returning players, that is the over. So, uh, I'm going to set the over under at five and a half. I think this is a really fun game. Um, I, I think we could, I might turn this into a segment in the future when I have a guest on here and ask this question because um, there's going to be, you know, even if nothing happens, there's going to be like, if nothing big happens, I should say, there's like, there's going to be a roster shakeup. Ennis Cantor is a free agent. Uh, you know, Norman Powell and Derek Jones can both opt out. I expect Norman Powell to opt out and then maybe resign. I expect Derek Jones to opt in. Uh, Harry Giles is a free agent. Carmelo Anthony is a free agent. Ronnie Hollis Jefferson is a free agent. Um, you know, those like those guys might walk anyways. And then there's, you know, there's the question about what happens with CJ and all and then and what happens with Zach Collins, who's entering free agency. I missed him in my first run uh through this. So yeah, like there's there's going to be some turnover regardless. Um and at right right now it seems like it would be really weird to hire a new coach and run it back. Next question comes from Randy Powell at RandyPowell625 on Twitter, who asked um, some context here. I needed like an extra question to kind of fill out this show that wasn't just like all CJ and trades and and apocalypse stuff um, and blazer apocalypse stuff rather. Uh, and uh, R- Randy is Randy won the random drawing. Actually, I just like this question better, but I, I got tons of questions, tons, like I think over 25. So um I'm just going to use those y'all. Like if you ask me a question tonight on Twitter, when I sent out that tweet, I'm just, I'm going to use them in the future. So if you don't, if you were waiting to hear your question because you responded to a tweet tonight and like, when is Mike going to answer it? Um, I'm going to, I'm just going to do it next week. <laughs> I, I, I keep these questions. I got a, I got a running documents and then I kind of organize them from there. So this, uh, I really appreciate the response. I'm so excited that people are excited about the podcast and love mailbag and have questions and all that. 
pretty much every darn one of them is still going to be relevant next week. So if you asked a question, do not fret. It's coming soon. Watch the skies next Tuesday uh, for in your podcast feed, wherever you're already listening to this one. So Randy's question at RandyPal625 on Twitter asks, besides being a pass first point guard, what's your favorite flavor of role player? The lockdown defender, the three and D guy, the hustle machine. So I think, um, I do, I do love point guards. Like I really, I really love, I love Kyle Lowry and I, I, I love watching John Morant. Um, I've loved, I've really enjoyed the LaMelo ball experience. Uh, I love De'Aaron Fox. He's one of my favorite players in the league. So I, I really do love point guards. Like I, I freaking love, I feel so lucky to get to watch Damian Lillard. Like I feel, I feel when I'm in the arena and, and the times I've been on press row, like I feel extremely lucky to be as close to, to someone as good at the craft as Damian Lillard is. But my favorite sort of nine point guard, um, that or non-point guard type i don't even think i don't know if point guard is even my favorite position i love i love hoops i love it all um i've i feel like i've been attracted later in my life to chuckers like i just love i love chuckers like jordan uh jordan clarkson he's gonna shoot it every time he gets it i there's something i like about that i've kind of been drawn to norman powell like um Longtime listeners will know that when when they were Blazers were rumored to have interest in Norman Powell, I did a whole segment how I'm kind of a Norman Powell fan even before he got he joined the Blazers because I, I kind of like chuckers. I like guys who are just like you know supreme confidence to to go get their own. Um, there's something uh, endearing about that. But my favorite type of player um, is a skilled, crafty post player. I love like a Jonas Valanciunas. I love one of my favorite players of all time is Al Jefferson. I love it. I love the craft in the post. Um, I'm going to say a name that you don't want to hear, but like, I love watching Nikola Jokic in the post. He's incredibly skilled and fun. Um, you know, I, I love a big guy who's sort of a old school bruiser. One of the things I used to love about Al Jefferson is two-handed pump fakes, gets you down in the post, puts a shoulder into you, and then shows you the ball with both hands on it. So you either jump or reach, and then he makes you pay from there. So a skilled big, like a skilled sort of like post-up ground and pound big, I, I love, I love a crafty big man. Our final question of the show comes from Bailey, who asks, Dame's prime window seems to be being wasted. CJ clearly isn't good enough to fit or or a player to win alongside Dame. And while being an undersized 30-year-old shooting guard on a max deal, I couldn't imagine many immediate upgrade trade options. <laughs> You're right. Stay tuned for tomorrow's show. Bailey continues. This, alongside the fact that Neil Olshay has used the majority of Portland's assets, like two picks for Robert Covington Jerry Tr- and Gary Trent Jr. for Powell, who I'm guessing is going to leave. With little available moves, should we, as Portland fans, be open to the idea of Dame leaving? I want the Trailblazers to win a championship so bad, but at the same time, at this point, I want Dame to win one so bad, I'd rather him win win one somewhere else and risk not winning one at all. The dude deserves it. He deserves better. And how much would it help Dame's legacy if he wins a championship, regardless if it's in Portland or not? So I have heard and read on the Twitter application this sentiment from Blazers fans a lot over the past week or so. And quite frankly, I don't buy this type of martyrdom. I think it is bogus as hell. You should root for the Blazers to be as good as possible and have Dame a true joy in someone who has who has pledged his loyalty to the team to to be as good as they can. This idea that you're going to set him free is totally bogus. You know who got set free? Clyde Drexler. When Clyde Drexler was 32 years old, he 
did everything he could for the Blazers. He was the best player in franchise history and probably still is in most people's minds old enough to watch Clyde play regularly. And then he got set free. Trade him in 1995. He joined the Houston Rockets and they won a championship. And he never came back. And he doesn't align with the Blazers. And I don't think Dame would do that. But people don't like Clyde. You will not like him if you set him free. It is a... It, he was, it is just absolutely false that trading Dame won't be this brutal heartbreak. I think you should be open to the idea that massive changes are on the way and those changes over the next two seasons could include letting Dame or having Damian Lord realize that he wants to go somewhere else. But that should be looked at as a bummer, a last resort, and a terrible situation. The setting Dame free because because he deserves better than Neil Olshay is garbage. What you should root is for Neil Olshay's ass to get fired so someone can help Dame here. If you're a fan of this team, and I don't think, I don't want to lecture you on how to fan. Like, I, that's that's one thing I do not want to do on this show. You feel how you feel, root how you want to root. Like, that, I, I feel very strongly about that. But... I do not buy this type of martyrdom of setting Dame free because he deserves better. You know who deserves better? Fans of this team. So let's root for this. Like, let's let's all collectively root for this situation to work out. Because if if Dame leaves and he joins the, I don't know, uh, Charlotte Hornets and the Charlotte Hornets win the championship. That shit isn't going to feel good. You're not going to feel good about that. I mean, you might be happy for Dame in the way that maybe you'll be happy for guys like, you know, Will Barton when they go somewhere else. But Will Barton ain't Damian Lillard. He's not the, he's not the soul of the franchise and the city and this franchise pillar and icon. You will regret this. Setting Dame free will feel bad in the end. So while I think it's easy to lean into this now in this sort of like dark timeline, the storm is coming part of Blazer fandom where we're at here because um, it, things have been bad, right? It seems like the the Dame is as frustrated as he's ever been. We're entering the most important offseason of his career. Um the GM just gave a press conference where he acted like a total doofus um, and was like combative for no reason and and refusing to take responsibility in any meaningful way. Um, it was all it was a it was it was a bad. It's been a bad week. Um, it was a bad look for the GM. Um, and it came on the heels of the Blazers getting blasted out of the playoffs in a game they were up 14 and just totally crumbled. I get it. It feels bad. But rooting to let this fr- your franchise player leave because he, des- he deserves something better is, I regard it as nonsense. I regard it as nonsense. It is not how you feel. It's how you feel in your darkest times. I don't deserve this thing. That is the language of someone who... who um, you got to pump yourself up. You know what you deserve? You deserve that that championship parade down Broadway past El Gaucho with Damian Lord rocking out the top of a double-decker bus. That's what you deserve. And Dame deserves it too. So don't root for him to be set free because setting him free is ending it. Um, no breakups. Even the cleanest breakups still will hurt your heart. So don't root for a broken heart because your heart is already broken now. Root for things sunnier days ahead. In the immortal words of Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy. That's going to do it for today's show. 
Mailbag coming back next week. I already have a boatload of questions, but I still take more uh, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter or LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. That's how you get involved. Uh, I love these. Really appreciate all of you who participate. That's those who ask questions and those who just listen along. Uh, Mailbag ain't going anywhere. Locked on Blazers isn't going anywhere. Tomorrow's show, we're talking all about CJ McCollum, trade ideas, your trade ideas, um, some trade ideas I've solicited from people who cover uh, teams around the NBA. We're just going to look at holistically what a CJ McCollum trade might look like, the challenges, uh, certain avenues, what are the most likely scenarios, all of those things. That's we're gonna we're going to touch on all of it. So make sure you listen to that show. That'll be the CJ Trade Speculation Extravaganza coming to your podcast feeds on Thursday. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can find it wherever they already listen to podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.